Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, friends. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, James Bias. Every now and again, a young musician comes along who makes you go, damn. Something about the way they turn a rhyme or phrase a melody feels utterly natural in a way that is seldom seen or heard. James Bias is that kid. But really, he's hardly a kid, because his music exudes both a musical maturity and a sensual blue-eyed soul that belies his 25 years. He's soft-spoken but articulate. He knows his music history enough to know that we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, but he's talented and confident enough to sing every song as if it were his own. He can hold his own on guitar, and he writes his own catchy songs, too. The 11 songs that comprise his debut album, Broken Ghost, show a range that would be rare for an artist of any age. But above all, Bias is blessed with a facile tenor voice that in a style of music more prone to vocal gymnastics than his breezy acoustic pop would be just another platform for excessive auto-tuning. Justin Timberlake could learn a thing or two from Bias's pitch-perfect balance of restraint and gusto because just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. And if you really want to get a feel for what James Bias is capable of, sit with him in a room with a couple of acoustic guitars and a bottle of wine. If you've ever felt that modern music has lost its way, Bias is the perfect anodyne. Welcome to Independence Day, James Bias. Howdy. Hey, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you, it's too, good Joe. to see you on a weekday. These Normally, uh, I met you at a party, actually, not too terribly long ago, which is kind of, a, I think, a cool way to meet people. I think so. Uh, because it's a social environment. You know, there's some libations around. Mm-hmm. People's inhibitions mm-hmm. are lowered yeah. a little bit. I meet a lot of people in bars, too, but it's a tougher environment to do. You feel like you're kind of out among the English. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to have stuff on. But you, mm-hmm. man, you are one of the most naturally talented and gifted musicians i've met in a while wow thank you uh it um you're one of those people like natural is a word that comes to mind when i watch you perform um you know nothing seems forced about what you do thank you uh now i know you must have worked hard to get to the point where you were tell me just a little bit about like your musical upbringing was there music in your house growing up or yeah actually um i think you know it's funny my grandfather actually i'll start there um, I kind of grew up on his lap, and um, he had a big Alvarez acoustic guitar that he would occasionally break out and play. And um, and I was also raised in a way where we would sit around and just listen to music. Music was on when we were hanging out and when you have guests over and stuff. And um, I just remember listening to, like, the Kingston Trio and Johnny Horton and these really old, like, kind of folk singers or I don't know what you'd really call Johnny Horton, but um, Roger Miller and Glenn Campbell and stuff. My grandpa listened to all those guys. And I think, and he, like I said, he would break out the guitar and he taught me like my first couple of chords, I think G major and A minor or something or E major. And, um, and I think my dad probably could have been a musician, but he wasn't. He just, it's not what he decided to do, but he's also musical and he's a poet in in a in a lot of ways he wrote a lot of poetry but he went into the navy when he was younger and there's all this cool poetry that he wrote in the navy uh, very bizarre but uh you know so i mean there's there's poets and and my, i didn't grow up living with my mother but she actually has a really really beautiful voice and um she taught me my first couple of songs um 
which I still remember, little little yeah. nursery songs, kind of. Yeah. But um, nobody was like flat out a musician. My uncle Jamie is actually a fantastic guitarist, and he kind of taught me a few things here and there. So yeah, I guess yeah. It was lot, around. Like, it was it was around, but nobody's like flat out a musician. Where a lot of us are, you know, blue collar. Like my dad's a concrete guy. Because you're from concrete. California. That's right. You're from Modesto, up, upstate Modesto. Modesto. I, isn't Chris Isaac from? I don't near know. Modesto. I don't know. I think. Pretty sure about that. I'll get my interns to look that up. Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, can you check that out? Uh, girls. Thanks. All my interns are women. Yeah, I was just being general. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to. It's like y'all, you guys, I didn't mean y'all, you ladies. All right, my guest tonight on Independence Day, James Bias. I'd say he's basically a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, kind of a young guy. But boy, is this guy good. I can't wait for you guys to hear the music he's going to play later. Uh, you can find out what you need to know about him at jamesbias.com. And just so we're clear, it's B-Y-O-U-S. Is that a Greek name? You know what? Actually, it may be a misspelling from the Mayflower or oh, I mean, sorry, the Ellis Island thing. You know, I okay. think it was originally Byers. Okay. I actually know another guy named James Bias who's... Um, I think he's in his 50s and he lives in Georgia. And right. I was like, where did our name come from? Because no yeah. one else has it. It's like, you know, you're, you're, he's like, well, yeah, actually, I'm from where you're from. So we're probably related. Yeah. And um, it's probably a misspelling. Because you don't look Greek. I'm not. To me. I don't think. So that would, I think yeah. I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> we're all big part of this, uh, part of this big melting pot, man. Yeah. Yep. Uh, find out about him, jamesbias.com, also reverbnation.com slash jamesbias. Uh, so you've got this record. It just came out not too terribly long ago, just September of last year, which mm -hmm. is you know a pretty short time ago. Um, and you work with a guy named Dave Raven, who's right. been around in Los Angeles for a pretty good while. Right. So he kind of produced it and shepherded this thing through. How did you meet David? Uh, da uh, okay, so we met through this guy, a good friend of mine, Dalen Muster, who's a fantastic photographer. And uh, he really liked... The last band I was in was called Badwater, and it's a like alternative rock kind of alternative hard rock band that was here in Los Angeles. And we had a pretty good following and stuff. And he uh, saw us at a show and started taking some pictures of us and was generous enough to just give the pictures to us and say, hey, have fun with these if you like them. And, and he was an amazing photographer, still is, sorry. And um, he, so we started to become friends with him and he'd come to shows with us and we'd travel. We went to Vegas and he came with us and shot photos of us and then made some music videos for us as well. And then he introduced us to David Raven. I guess they've been friends for a long time. And said, David is a producer. You should let him do a couple songs. So he did our, he did our last record that we did. All right. And the record is called Broken Ghost. You can pick it up all the usual places. Amazon, I think. I, did I, I think I saw it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. which Amazon, means iTunes. iTunes, all, the, all, the, all the normal places. And you've got hard Spotify. copies as well. Spot the Spotify. And the you've got the hard, hard copy is like a hard thing to find these days. Not a lot of people are doing that. So yeah. that's kind of a vintage, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, you know, it's vibe. a lot of, we talk about this a lot. I mean, if you're, you can't, you know, the download cards don't have cachet. Mm -hmm. You know, you can give those to people and that's all well and good. But sure. there's, there's something active they have to do. Like they take the thing, enter it in and get mm -hmm. the stuff and yeah. download it. And that's all well and good. But if you're, if you, then the CD anymore is like a business card. Yeah, exactly. You meet someone and you, bam, you put a CD yeah. in their hand and say, okay, this is, you know, well, what do you, what do you sound like? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Here's, have fun. Here's my disc. I hope you like it. It's like the hardest thing in the world to tell people what you sound you know, like. And it's, you know, once upon a time, I remember business cards were very, very, you know, kind of expensive mm -hmm. to make business cards and CDs were too. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you can rip off 500 CDs for a few hundred bucks mm -hmm. and just give them away. Yep. You know, that's the thing people don't realize who aren't part of the music business, maybe, is that 
when an artist, especially an independent-ish artist, mm-hmm. makes a CD, uh, you know, fully, you know, I've got a friend who's a full-time touring musician. He's got a solo thing going and a band. And their most recent CD, he was telling me, you know, they printed up an extra thousand just to give away. Yeah, that's smart. A thousand of CDs just, yeah. just to give away. Yep. But that's how you get your name out that's there. An that's, how, that's, that's an investment. It's a business investment. Yeah, it's a good like business. Like anything brand. else. Well, let's give a, let's give a quick listen. Uh, we've, got a, we've got some music queued up here. This is a track from Broken Ghost, James Bias. Uh, I think the track is called Subserene. Let's spin this on Independence Day. The sun decided not to shine today And that's okay with me Yeah, that's okay with me Cause if she had, I'd have to hide away But now I'm on my way To feeling A-okay Knocked out the worst part of a lingering dream With a one-two punch and a shot of something clean Called Subserene Called Subserene And if I want, I'll take a walk downtown To my favorite joint around Everybody's down And we'll pound a few Before we hit the ground And I'll be safe and sound I will be safe and sound Making opaque faces Turn translucent green With a triple shot Of my all-time favorite queen Called Subserene Called Subserene. It's called Subserene. Subserene. I sit in suchness, but I'm so incomplete. Till I swim or sink in a river of the drink called Subserene. It's called Subserene. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Tonight's guest, Mr. James Bias. You can learn about him at jamesbias.com. Also follow him on the Twitters at James Bias. And of course, as always, drop by indepday.com to hear all of our 100 plus and counting artists. We've had some really, really great artists on, and James is now one of those. So glad to have you, man. Glad, glad to be here. Thank so you. So great track, man. Track called Subserene. You've kind of made up a phrase for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I was kind of rhyming with submarine and i thought subserene oh what an what an interesting little fun little turn of words yeah and um i think i was probably really hung over that day and i was like writing a it's basically just about drinking i mean if i were going to be honest with you but i think that drinking is kind of a a psychedelic activity after a certain point because you're you're just so out of sorts and the only thing that makes you feel better is to drink every every now and again i uh i stop for a good long while get clear but it's it's become kind of a Calms my nerves, helps me, uh, helps me, uh, you know, helps me deal, I guess. So, <laughs> as, as it does, we all, I think, uh, if you follow uh, Mark Knopfler's tour blog, his keyboard player, who's been with him since the Dire Straits days, mm. uh, does a tour blog when they go out on the road. And now they're touring at a very high level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, you know, they'll, they'll sometimes take a jet back. They'll do like those types of tours where they're based in a city regionally. 
Okay. So after a show, like say they're doing the Northeast, they'll be based out of New York, mm -hmm. but then they do all the shows in the Northeast of like a short plane flight away from New York. So okay. after the show that night, they don't get on a bus. They all fly back to New York and they all sleep in a bed, mm -hmm. which is pretty civilized. But yep. the, <laughs> the, the, the point I'm getting at is that you read his tour blog. They call, you know, they always talk, talk about vitamin G. Okay. Which is gin. Oh boy. They're British guys. They're oh, like, boy. oh yeah, you know, after the we had a great show in Boston and we got back on the plane and we all had some vitamin G. <laughs> Which I think is kind of cool because, you know, you, substance substance abuse is a problem, both with musicians sure. and non musicians. Absolutely. Um, but just like anything else, man, you can use its power for good or you can use its power for Absolutely. evil. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Lots of musicians use altered states to enhance. Listen, creativity. money money is the same type of thing. You know, you, you either use it for good or you don't. You know, you use yeah. it for yourself or you share it, you know, amongst the populace and so yeah. it's it's anything really. You you share you share your, your kindness with people or you don't. You reserve it for yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So subserene is a made up word, but is there is there a story behind the song too? Um well, you know, like I said, subserene for me is basically a state of being below serenity, you know, so there's serenity and then somewhere below that is subserene. Yeah. And that's, you know, and then in the line in the, in the second verse is, you know, if I want, I'll, I'll take the walk downtown to my favorite joint around where everybody's down. We'll pound a few before we hit the ground and I'll be safe and sound. Okay. You know, it's sort of like this. So you like rhyming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even within. Yeah. So I love to rhyme. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just it's just like saying it's it's the same as saying, you know, uh, I, um in a in a very artful way I hope that I, I was just saying that you know, having a few drinks, being around people that that uh enjoy imbibing the same sort of libation and we enjoy each other's company and that's that. It's very simple, yeah. but but uh, I think that there's I don't know I, I I'm all about tragic beauty, and I think that there's something tragically beautiful about a bunch of people that uh, know one another to a certain extent. Yeah, well, there's a certain type of camaraderie. I mean, you can, the simple way to say it is that misery loves company. That's it's a not, simple way to say it. <laughs> but, it's, but it's but it's not always misery. It's deeper there, than that. Though. It's deeper than that. There are different levels of that. I mean, sure. You know, especially in a time where we're experiencing like an economic. Uh, you know, minor depression sure, sure. or, you know, a recession, call it what mm -hmm. you want. You know, a lot of people have a lot of reasons to escape from their lives. Absolutely. And different people do it in different ways. Some people use Jesus. Some people mm -hmm. use the movies. Some people use exercise. Some people use sex. And yeah. a lot of people use drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody's Absolutely. trying to, you know, and then there's also the happy side of that too. And I know? think that also I'm kind of making fun of myself in a certain sense because here, here in the lyrics you hear, you know, um, uh, I sit in suchness, which is like a Hindu concept, I believe, tattva. So I sit in suchness, but I'm, I sit in suchness, but I'm so incomplete until I have a drink. That's, you know, like, here's this person who, and it's so funny because I think of the people that sing, I think of myself when I'm singing a song as a different character because I wrote it in a different time place. And it's, it's so weird. I don't do it on purpose, but I always say he is saying this. So like he, the guy who sings Submarine, is saying... Subserene. Subserene. He's saying, I sit in suchness, but I'm so incomplete until I swim in a river of the drink called Subserene. Mm. He's like so... He's so convinced that he's uh, he's actually a, a spiritual cat, but really he's just getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Ties it all together, man. Yeah, it's just... Do you think, do you think that artists need to suffer? Do, uh, no, absolutely not. No? No. 
I don't think that artists need to suffer. Um, I think that a lot of them prefer to suffer. Do you think suffering leads to good art? In some cases, absolutely. But I think that, unfortunately, for a lot of these great artists that are making, you know, their their quote unquote suffering into art, which is not real suffering. You know, real suffering is far worse. But I think that for a lot of these people that are making their suffering into art, um, which is really just them kind of cataloging and broadcasting their isolation, just or their alienation, or they feel like they can't connect with people and so on and so forth, which I totally understand. And I'm not coming down on them or us or whatever. But I think for a lot of those people, that's the most visceral emotion they can hold on to because the other ones, they're having such a hard time. They're having such a hard time wrapping their mind around the simple things like being someone's friend. And, um, and, and then again, a lot of us are just I don't know. We're just trying to get by, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, life, modern life, it seems, has grown very complicated. Absolutely. You know, it's like you want, I want my life to be simple. Yeah. You know, I've wanted the same things I've always wanted. I mm-hmm. chase around the same dreams and same yeah. pursuits and the same problems dog me now that have dogged me for 20 years mm-hmm. and will probably dog me until I'm dead. Yeah. But, uh, so I want it to be simple. But, you know, as technology advances, uh, you know, to, in theory, simplify our lives, it also complicates our lives. You know, because now it's like, okay, my, my computer is like the other half of my brain. Yeah. And now my phone is like that to a certain sure, extent. Sure. But then it's such a complex device that when that device is on the fritz or when it breaks, now I've got a much more complicated problem than I had before. <laughs> right, because you were relying on it. Because now I'm relying on it to a su- such an extent that I need this machine to work properly. Sure, and absolutely. without it, now I've got a really complex problem sure, where, sure. where there was no problem because the device didn't even exist. I think the important thing to remember is that there are no problems. There is no problem at all. Even when that thing goes, like, what's what's really the problem? Oh, you can't get in touch with X, Y, and Z. You can't send off this email or whatever. But really, there's no problem. Not yeah. not not in an immediate and serious way. And yeah, not at this level of our society. Neither of us are heroin addicts. We nope. don't have that to be concerned about. No. Nope. Um, you know, at this point in my life, I don't have children depending on me, so mm-hmm. I don't have that to be concerned about. I have a yeah. dog, which is something akin to that, but not the same thing. No. Um, you know, so we're beholden to our own goals and dreams and aspirations, sure. but you know, we've got family and friends and loved ones, girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, whatever it is that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we're getting really do- down this existential thing real fast. I man. can't, down I can't help it, hole. dude. This is what I was talking about is I have a hard time, like just talking and not just like unloading everything I've been thinking about. No, no, that's what this is all about, man. This, this is, this whole episode is about, it's to focus on you and what your thoughts are. I mean, okay. I, I can ramble all the time, so sure, sure. don't feel badly about it. This we'll is exactly, co-ramble then. We're this co-ramblers is, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. And I love it, you know, my, speaking of the pub, you know, when I sit down at the pub with my best friends, we have very circuitous conversations, sure. it seems like. We'll sit down, you know, get a pint to start talking about the problems of the day or problems of the world. And then three hours later, we'll wind up back where we started. Sure. Having talked about 17,000 different things along Hopefully. the way. Which is the way conversation should go, man. I love, I love it when uh, conversations are like that. Yeah. So let's hear, you know, I've been, I've been talking you up to people because, like I said before, you're such a natural musician. Thank you. You've got That's this good. great voice, facile guitar playing, catchy songs, um, but it seems almost effortless. And I want people to hear what this sounds like. So you've brought a guitar and you've brought uh, Zach. Uh, Zachary Ross player. is here. Yeah, he's going to play with me. He's going to play with you. So uh, what is this first song going to be called? This uh, first one's off the album. It's called Good Right Back. All right. James Bias in Independence Day.
If I was insensitive, would it make you love me all the more? Would you crave my company if I went walking out the door? Tenderness seems poisonous to you in a peculiar way. You know I wouldn't quit you, mama, but I think I'm wearing out my stay. I tried being kind to you, mama, but it blew up in my face. I know I got a mean streak, mama, but I keep her in her place. Be good to me and I'll be good right back. If you want me, keep me, mama, it's simple as that. You do me wrong, wrong enough and I'm gone singing adios. So long and I've been singing somebody else's song. When I hold you in my arms, I give the sweetest kind of love I can. And I listen to your every ambition All your dreams and your schemes and your plans But it's something deep in you You think I have a mind to take But you can keep all that shit to yourself But you'll never get to eat your cake And I know that I'm a convict mama But I done God did my time I'm trying to be a good man, mama, but you won't forgive my crime. Be good to me, and I'll be good right back. If you want me, keep me, mama, it's as simple as that. You do me wrong long enough, and I'm gone singing sayonara. So long and you'll be stringing somebody else along. to go I know that I'm a strange one mama my heart is a good one though my name is Joe Armstrong you're listening to Independence Day drop by indepthday.com to hear about this artist whose name is James Bias B-Y-O-U-S that's a track from him from his most recent record which is called Broken Ghost the track is good right back and I've, as, I, as I talk you up to people, and I even think about it myself, I'm trying to find not necessarily a box to put you in, but I'm trying to figure out what style I would even call it. So I'm going to 
pose that question to you instead. If some, if you had to ex- explain to somebody, you met somebody on a bus mm-hmm. who meets you and they're really into your existential style of conversation. <laughs> like, oh, what does yeah. your music sound like, man? What would you tell them? I'm, I've gotten into this kind of, I try to streamline it and I just say that it's kind of, it's alternative Americana. Um, and I'm totally influenced by Wilco and a lot of people say that it's kind of like Ryan Adams, but it's, it's sort of, it's just soulful, um, it's soulful alternative Americana, really. I think that's yeah. what I would call it. Yeah, because it's all mixed up in there. We live in a mashup world, and like, I mean, I would definitely put your, you know, with the younger generation mm-hmm. of musicians, and you know, you live in a world where these things always existed, mm-hmm. and the internet pretty much always yeah. existed, where yeah. all this information was at your fingertips from yeah. the get go. Yeah, and you know, so everything, everything's kind of, everything's always been mishmashed up there. Yeah, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders of giants. Sure. But for your generation, man, like there's no distinction whatsoever between all these different things. It seems like because the, you know, the iPod generation, there, there isn't, a, right. there isn't a record store to have a bin, right? to have your music in, right? you know? So you, we kind of make up these monikers to describe what they are. Sure. You know, and I think, you know, with that particular song, like your song, the album kind of veers around a little bit, but I like that. Yeah. It mixes up all the things that I think you're jazzed about. Sure. And I think if I had to play the same sort of song every single time I played a song, I would kill myself. It'd yeah. just be, it would be awful and influenced by so many people that I, I, you know, and I hear people talking about how oh, I couldn't figure out who I was and so on and so forth. And I don't think you should ever figure out per se who you are. I think you should know how you feel about certain things. And I think that you should, I think that you should, you know, find who you are and the reflection of the relationships that you have with other people. But, you know, as a musician, I don't think you should go, oh, I'm this and that's just what I am. And then always try to write like that. You should be growing and constantly changing. Yeah. You know? I think that there's also, there's nature and nurture though. There's like for myself, growing up with the music I listened to, you know, trying to be like the guitar player, guitar player. Sure. You know, and I learned all those scales and learned how to play fast and learned how to play complex things and all that kind of thing. But it never felt right to me. Hmm. So I didn't feel like I became what I was destined to be as a musician, whatever that is, until I let go of that and became whatever it is that I am. Yeah. And stopped aping other people's songs and stopped singing in other people's styles. And what came out, you know, wound up being something that was kind of twangy rock. Mm -hmm. Now, I love lots of different things, but what naturally, and I push myself into other areas, and I did sing jazz, and I did sing a lot of classical growing up Mm -hmm. um, music, but now that's kind of what comes naturally to me. You know, so if I want to do something that feels in my comfort zone, that's what I play, and I can write those songs all, I can write broken-hearted songs all <laughs> sure. Long, but I don't want to just do that either. Sure, sure. So I push myself into other areas. Like yeah, for yeah. you know, for example, the song that we just uh, you just played there, the the good right back to him. That's got kind of a Jack Johnson kind of feel to it a little okay. bit, which could put you into that little surfy, you know, laid back because it's a sure. laid back tune. But I've heard you do some ripping rock and roll stuff too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and fortunately for you, I'll say this and then please continue. Is that you are music? You're talented enough to to hold all those things up. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. And <laughs> I was like, okay, please continue. Yeah, it's, no. just, yeah, it's just a compliment hanging out there. But no, because some people aren't, you know, they, yeah, they, they want to do a lot of different things. And I, I agree with you that people, you should do whatever it is you want to do. Art is a, is a tabula rasa. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, on, on the record, if you listen to the record, I mean, you've got some stuff that are, that's flat out rocking. Thank you. And stuff that kind of veers into different things. I think I, pre- I appreciate you recognizing that. And there's, I mean, there's a song on there that's like, a flamenco Spanish style thing. And then there's a rock tune on there and there's like this 
you know, there's Subserene's kind of a bizarre 30s sounding jazz tune or something. It's got like weird changes and stuff. And I mean, there's, you know, folk music on there and the whole, the whole gambit. But uh, yeah, you know, I just, I couldn't stand, I, could, I can't stand to imagine even trying to just do one thing. It would just, it would greatly yeah. upset me. I think that there's a through line that runs through all of it. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to do it the other way. I, you know, I, 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 um, I've worked with people, you know, managers and stuff like that, that kind of were like, okay, that's great. I like that one. Why don't you write five more like that? And I'm like, buddy, that's just not how I think, you know, yeah. I, I, that song came out because that was the right time for that song to come out. And I think that, I think that, you know, every song should have its own life on your record. Like, I, I think that you should be able to listen to my record all the way through and not get bored because it's all sort of repetitive and derivative. I think that it should be kind of like, oh, look at he's kind of going in this direction. Oh, we're going back the other way. And it, it kind of ebb and flow in an interesting way. So it's not the same thing yeah. all the time. And it's really your first record, yep. right? You're, so, you you know, you my wanted, first solo record. First solo record. So, you know, you've got plenty of time. You know, you want to go do a Van Morrison-style Blue-Eyed solo record. Sure. So you've got time to put that out. Yep. You want to do a harder rock record, you put that out too. Yep. I've been dreaming about all those things. Yeah. Very, very nice, man. So the next, uh, the next thing I want to ask you about is... You know, who, you know, do you consider yourself more of a singer who plays guitar or a guitar player who sings? Absolutely singer. Okay, so you're a singer. So you learn, because that's how I did it too. Like yeah. I, I, I learned guitar. I mean, I went pretty far down the guitar road, mm -hmm. but I learned guitar because I wanted to accompany myself. I me didn't want to just stand there and sing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You but, write enough songs when you're in high school and poems and stuff you're like all right the next logical step is to grab a guitar yeah. and start doing it so why guitar as opposed to a piano or something else well i didn't have a piano i had a guitar you okay know, someone got me a guitar and i was like all right i'll i'll do this it's also and, portable yep absolutely can't bring a piano with you everywhere you can it's just kind of cumbersome <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> logistically complicated uh who were the who were the like uh because this, this is a two-part question who were the singers that made you want to sing, and who were the guitar players that made you want to play guitar? Um, boy, I mean, like I said, my mom sang to me a lot growing up. And um, you know what's funny? I didn't think, wow, that guy's great at singing. I want to sing. I just sang, and that's just what it was. And then as far as guitar goes, I... <sighs> Once again, it wasn't like, I want to play guitar because that guy's playing guitar. I just kind of started playing guitar. Someone gave me a guitar. It was in my house. And I guess it was my, it was my grandfather and my uncles, okay. you know, that played guitar that made me want to play guitar and sing, you know, and they, they played and sang. And so it was like, you know, I had, you know, a natural inclination for playing music. I, I played like violin in fourth, fifth and sixth grade and stuff. And it was just something that I, you know, kind of gravitated towards instead of, and I did a lot of sports growing up too, but um, it, it ended up winning out. It was kind of like a battle between artistry and athleticism growing up. Yeah, and, yeah. and artistry won, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, everyone's high school is different. One of my best friends, like it was in his high school, it was totally normal to do both music and sports. Sure. But in my school, it was like, it was like Palestinians and Israelis. Wow. In my, they were like warring factions. Yep. Because especially God help you if you were involved in both. Yeah. Because then the faculty would fight over you. Sure, exactly. And when I was in high school, I was in, I, I was a wrestler freshman year and I uh, hated wrestling and, and was really in love with like just kind of really discovering how much I was in love with doing the plays and, and doing the musicals and stuff. And so I'd sing and do musicals in high school and I was in wrestling. And I remember being like, 
listen, um, it was like during a wrestling match and I had finished mine and they wanted me to stay and watch everybody else wrestle or whatever. And I was like, I can't, and I have to go to rehearsals. And I remember him acting like you, you can't do that. And I was like, well, that's what I'm doing, buddy. And that's kind of was like, that was like the first time where I was like making a, a decision. A choice. Yeah. I was like, not only can I, it's what I'm going to do right now, bud. Watch me do it. Yeah. See ya, you know? You know, it's unfortunate. You know, the uh, kids, I feel like, you know, they're grown up like they, they can do anything. Sure. And it's it's the limits. I mean, eventually, maybe it's limits they put on themselves. Sure. But I feel like adults put limits on kids and they tell things tell them that things aren't possible. And mm-hmm. that's when things stop being possible is when they're told that they aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, because no one ever told me that I couldn't sing and play guitar at the same time. Sure. And and I was reading in, uh, I was reading in a book a while back about how it affects someone's conscious con- conscience or or their it limitates their consciousness to be told that they're not intelligent or to be raised in a society where a specific race is told that they're not intelligent or whatever and what kind of constraints that that puts on you growing up now obviously i'm a white guy my people uh my my family growing up all told me that i was smart so i grew up kind of thinking i was smart and um, and I think that that really contributed to my being able to retain information because I because later in life when I started to kind of compare myself to other people and go oh that guy's really really smart or whatever and kind of get nervous about things that's when I think I stopped being as retentive as I was when I was younger because when you're young so they say you know you're very retentive and then you kind of get these limitations placed on you by the way people perceive you and treat you and let's say that you you grow up in a family where everybody kind of tells you that you're not as smart as your older brother or something like that. You just kind of grow up thinking you're not. And, you assume and, that role. Exactly. You just assume that role and you go into it and it's hard for you to break out of that. And that's why when you meet new people that really appreciate your intellect, not that this happened to me per se, but when you meet new people that appreciate your intellect, you feel smarter and thusly you become smarter. So it's all about kind of the way that you perceive yourself and others. Yeah. Well, you could have a secondary career as a teacher, honestly, <laughs> because, uh, you know, you've certainly got the gift of, of being able to express yourself with words, which is, uh, it's a, well, it's an essential skill for musicians, but some musicians clam up, Yeah, you know, when they try to talk about these kinds of things. But that's what I, I love doing about this show is that you give artists an opportunity to talk about these topics sure. and most of them are eager to talk about it. And Absolutely. I am too. That's why I love doing this, man. I love these conversations. Me too. Um, tell me about, uh, you know, what was your first band like when you started, you know, you, you're in high school, yeah. you, you learned to play guitar, you're singing some. Yeah. You know, what was the name of your first band or what did you sound like? We were the Whelps. The and, Whelps. And we were kind of like, I don't know, kind of Fransford and Andy and kind of mm. um, Modest Mouse-ish, but, you know, kind of aggressive, jangly, I listened to a lot of British music growing up, so it was kind of like that, like the Clash, you know, all of that stuff, and Pink Floyd and stuff. So it was just he was more grandiose than we were really capable of producing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember like one of my first realizations that this is what I'm going to do forever. We were playing the talent show at high in in high school, and we were supposed to play one song, which somehow turned into three songs because of being encored a bunch of times and we were the last to play so somehow that worked out did in you our have favor. three songs to play oh yeah we okay, had good. a bunch of songs because that would be the worst thing yeah and you know what's funny like i didn't start out playing um i didn't start out playing like open mics or anything like that like i literally just jumped into playing shows with a band and that was our first show ever was my show playing with a band i didn't 
I mean, I, I performed for people at high school. I always brought my guitar to school and was that guy with his guitar at all times. I didn't care what people thought, though. I was just like, I'm just playing guitar because this is what I do, friends, you know? But um, so that first, so, okay, so anyway, so that talent show, we won the show and we got encored once. And, and then the people that were running the show were just like, go ahead, just do another one. And we started playing and, and literally the stadium emptied itself and ran down into the basketball court and stood around us dancing. And, and, um, you know, that was, that was freaking awesome. Yeah. That's a good moment, man. I was like, I'm I'm doing this. This is it. So how long did that band last? That band didn't last too long. Um, but what's too long? Because in high school, too long is like two months or is it like too long, like a year, like two months, like through high school? I think it was probably something less than a year. Probably something like that, okay. which is probably long in, in high school. And then know, did you did you go to college after high school? I went to an acting school. Okay. Yeah. Is that down here in LA? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you still act? I do, actually. I just accepted a uh, a role in a theater. Uh, sorry, dinner theater. Nice. I like to combine words sometimes. Theater. No, dinner theater production um, tribute to Mart- um, Quentin Tarantino. And we are singing the songs from the films with a live band accompanying us and acting out the scenes from it. So it's like a musical, but we use, it's like a jukebox musical in the fact that we use the songs from the films, but we're playing them with a live band and performing them live. It's really, really exciting. So you acting, are you playing guitar too? I am going to play guitar in a few songs. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Going to mash it up, man. Yeah. Sounds great. And when will we see this? Was this this a live? Um, Actually, gosh, I'm so... I, I got asked to do it two days ago, said yes. Okay. And they were like, oh, by the way, it starts next Thursday. Okay. And I'm like, oh, great. So I've got to learn like this entire script, all of these dance numbers, all these backup harmonies, all this guitar. I have to play Misery Lou, um, which I have no idea how I'm going to pull off. I just need to like workshop that night after night and get those 16th notes down. But it's yeah. going to be wild. There's a lot of... Uh crossover between acting and music mm-hmm. you know with varying levels of success i mean just the uh, the oscars were a few weeks ago and yeah. jared leto was you yep. know won some mm-hmm. won an award 30 uh, seconds his to bands. Mars. honestly i admit i don't know what their band sounds like i you know I, there was a period in like as i was getting out of high school i was really into it and and i came out to los angeles and i had their their uh their second album is I it think. legit it i mean they're definitely really talented yeah okay so that's legitimate because when I was a kid, you know, there was, there, that didn't happen quite as much, yeah. I feel like, in the olden days. Like, when I remember when I was younger, like, in high school, like, Sting was, like, the only guy, mm-hmm. like, major musician who was doing acting yeah, of yeah. any level. And it remains to be seen whether or not that was actually a legitimate performance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every now and again, you'd see, like, you'd see, like, Point Break, and, like, oh, there's Anthony Kiedis, mm-hmm. or, you know, or there's Flea. Like, people would do cameos, but they wouldn't, like, do acting, acting. You know what I've noticed is that a lot of times when a musician be- does some acting stuff, they're they're afforded a little bit more legitimacy than when an actor then decides to become a musician. Right. Because like, oh, you're an actor and you want to be a musician now. Whoopity-doo. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. But for some reason, even though acting, in my opinion, is one of the most difficult things to pull off to to actually become that character. And, you know, it's I think it's I think it's different for film because you can do it a billion times and and then they can take the best of everything that you do and kind of mash it together. I'm not knocking anybody that that does that by the way i'm just saying it's it's more difficult than like literally living and breathing in a space and being a theater actor 
and and really like pulling off an amazing performance and projecting to the audience without a microphone and like and embodying something for the entire process. No no takes, no do overs, just you know living in that space. Um, film acting is a is a, an entirely different ball game and it's really difficult as well. And you know yeah. I don't claim to be a great actor. I think that once again it's if you think that I'm a naturally talented person, I think that that was one of those things. It was just like oh. I tried it and I was like, oh, that's kind of something I have a knack for. I kind of, I feel like I can do this. And I ended up, like I said, doing all the plays in high school and coming out here and going to acting school and stuff. So it's, I do enjoy it, but it's, um, yeah. it's not my, my main yeah. passion. A couple of people I can think of off the top of my head who do both pretty well, actually, or actually means people who are known for being actors who started off as musicians, but then got success yeah. as as actors, mm -hmm. Dwight Yoakam yep. was an actor before he was a really? musician. He was an actor first. Yes. Wow. He was an actor I did first. Not know that. Yeah, like way back in way college, around. he was in, he did more acting than anything. Wow. And then got famous for being a musician. But then obviously, well, see, Sling, that's Sling the thing. It's amazing. He got famous for being a musician. So right. he was a musician kind right. of first in the in the world in the public view. sphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his friend Billy Bob Thornton mm -hmm. also was a musician before he was an actor. He mm. played drums and would, he actually, I think he went on tour. He was, but he didn't get famous as a musician first. He didn't get famous as a musician. He got famous as an actor. Yep. And, you know, he still plays a little bit. I mean, I don't know how, how great his band is. Maybe it's great. I've, I know he, he does a, he still plays. And isn't Russell Crowe? Um, I've heard that, but I don't know. The, is it 30 odd feet of grunts or something like that is his band? It's, it's, I guess it happens more than I'm letting on. Maybe it's more, more than I'm, maybe more than I even realize. Yeah. But it's all art, man. Yep. Absolutely. Art. Speaking of art, you've got a guitar. Play, yeah. Play another tune for us, man. What's this going to be? Um, let's do uh, let's do Norwegian Wood by the Beatles. Oh, who? Who's this band? <laughs> They're these guys the from Liverpool that were kind of they were kind of big in the sixties. Yeah. One thing that uh, I will say this more more uh, more compliments compliment time again. Prepare to blush, maybe. Uh, when I met you at this party, Kim Grant's party, not too terribly long ago, um, you know, we sat down. People were kind of jamming, playing music, and you know, you've got your own tunes, which are great. Um, and a lot of younger musicians, some of them know cover, some of them don't. But you really have, seems like you've done your homework. Like when we started throwing out tunes, like you knew a bunch of Beatles tunes. Yeah, I like those guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what's it, funny? That night, I was like, oh, and we started playing Norwegian Wood. And you're like, you know that that song is not in 4-4, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, it, is, it isn't in 4-4. <laughs> and I went and learned it in, in the proper time signature. But, but I was playing it in 4-4 that night. If you remember that. Yeah, I do, I do remember. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun playing with you. In any case, so let's hear this, man. James Bias playing uh, one of my favorite Beatles songs, Norwegian Wood, here on Independence Day. It's time for bed 
She said that she worked in the morning and started to laugh I said that I didn't and called off to sleep in the bath This bird had flown So I started a fire Isn't it good Norwegian wood A very, very nice version of a song you've probably heard about 20 trillion times and it's a, it's a testament to you that you can play that and uh, you, you kind of put your own little stamp on it and uh, do your own thing with it. Hopefully. And it's still worth listening to. Hopefully. That's the idea, to kind of to put your own stamp on it. But Very, very nice, man. So being this, this like young musician, you've grown up with this technology. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a native with all this technology. You know, how, do you, how do you or do you use technology in your music or to make your music or to reach your fans? Or, yeah. Because you know, for some of us, it was something we had to learn yeah, we'd already done it one way, and then had to learn a new way. Mm-hmm. How about you? Well, you know, I I know a lot of people that have like a a real knack for being up to date with technology, and I ne- I wasn't necessarily. I I uh, grew up with a computer, but everybody had high speed when I had dial up, so I was always kind of one step behind the curve. I didn't understand Bluetooth when it came out. Like I felt like. I felt like the way that I was like, this must be how my dad feels when I try to show him how to use X, Y, or Z. And I remember someone showing me Bluetooth and, and them being like, so anyway, you just connect to me and then we can send each other stuff with our cell phones. I was like, what? How? What? How? How does that happen? But, um, you know, I mean, like I, I just use Facebook like anybody else and I say, you know, here are some shows and then I'm, I'm learning my... Um, so, some of my friends, like I said, have a real knack for it. And they're like, listen, you kind of have to be putting stuff out constantly. And and I just, I, you know, it's I, hats off to them, but that's just not me, man. Like, I just don't, I don't want to be on Facebook 24-7. And I kind of want to be, like, less accessible. I'm like, I put my stuff out, you know, and it's out there. And I tweet every now and again. And hopefully that's a pleasant surprise. But, you know, a lot of times, like, these guys that are, like music managers and stuff like that. They want to see that you are like a a pro at using like the social media stuff. And Well, that's just it. Now they expect you to be a pro at everything. Yeah. You know, it's like you have mm-hmm. to be a professional, <laughs> you know, you're, you're on just, you're unsigned and mm-hmm. you're, you know, not involved with the label. You don't have support of any kind, right. but that's the whole thing. It's like uh, with a bank, you don't get a, you're not going to give you a loan until you can prove you don't need the money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get support from a label or from a manager until you can prove that you've done it on your yeah. own. You know, that's what they're expecting. It's funny that you make the bank reference too, because someone was just talking to me about labels and they were like, if you think about it, a label is really just like a bank Totally. and they loan you money and then you have to pay it back. That's what a label yeah. pretty much does, you know? Yeah. In the traditional sense, I mean, it was like a bank with really bad terms Sure. because, you know, the limo that picks you up for the radio interview in New York mm-hmm. is charged back to you. Right. You know, and at one point, you know, maybe now you know, that's something we've been empowered as, you know, or uh, by the industry as musicians yeah. is that now we do it independently. We can make that choice. Like, yep. you know, sure, riding in a limo is all fine and fancy and dandy, but I don't need I'd to. I'd rather ride over take, there in my Volvo. I can take the damn subway, <laughs> you know, for three dollars if sure. I can get to the radio station for three dollars because it's, that's money that's not coming. Three hundred. I said, well, it's money that's not coming out of my pockets for money I haven't even earned yet. Yeah. 
you know, because that's the thing, you know, uh, the economies of scale mm-hmm. have changed so drastically sure. uh, that, you know, we don't need as much money to make things. Uh, but it seems like our time constraints, you know, is, are more now because that's the thing, like even, yeah. pro- you know, promoting this show. Yeah. I mean, I feel an obligation to always be tweeting and always yeah. be Facebooking and I enjoy it to a certain extent. But like you, like I, I want to be able to turn it off. Sure. Absolutely. You know, get away from stuff. I think, I think it, that's kind of why it's important to kind of set aside time to do it and kind of see it as part of your job. And okay, so for 30 minutes, I'm going to do my social media stuff. It's easy to get sucked down the rabbit hole for me when I'm on Facebook and I see the things that are other, other people are posting and stuff. But it's like, all right, I'm going to get on there. I'm going to say one or two quick things, you know, post a video here or a song there on someone's wall and call it good and, and try to get on with. Yeah. I have to be disciplined about it because that's, I'm, I have a curious intellect by nature. Yep. So I get on there and I see what my friends are doing. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, look at that guy and look at this thing. And oh, there's a funny article uh-huh. you know, and there's yeah. a, there's a dog. And You'll go down the rabbit hole, and man. I'm, and the next thing you know, I look up and it's an hour yep. is gone. I know. So I have to be very, very it's disciplined wild. about that. And what's leads me to my next point, which is when it comes to music, uh, everyone's got their own relationship to the discipline of, of making music mm-hmm. because it's not just a, an artistic thing. It's a physical thing mm-hmm. of playing guitar and keeping your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, in your writing skills, mm-hmm. um, up to snuff, I should say. Are you one of those people who's like a diligent practicer? Do you spend time every day doing scales? No. Or do you just kind of do it? I just kind of do it. I'm, I, uh, I get up and, and I try to make an effort or, uh, um, I try to make the decision to play a little bit every day, but I don't, I don't, you know, unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately, I, I put more emphasis on living and gathering life experiences to write about because I, like I said, I consider myself a singer and then a guitarist, but, but I, I kind of realized that, you know, for me, it's more about writing the song. So I think that even before I'm a singer, I think I'm more of uh, an organizer of words and thoughts and a songwriter. And then, yeah. and then you know, I'm a singer because that's what I started doing before I started playing guitar. And then I'm a guitarist because that's, you know, just the natural order that I go with. But for me, it's more about going out and meeting people and having these experiences. And for instance, I went, I went hitchhiking in, um, this, this last summer from May till June through all the, all the way through June. I, I, I started, um, in, um, Santa Cruz and then I hitchhiked all the way up to Portland and then back. And um, that was a, a really inspirational and, and mind-blowing trip. And I got a lot of time to play guitar while I was out, too, because there wasn't anywhere I had to be at any specific right. time. And um, so I would wake up, I would have coffee, and I'd play guitar for a couple hours. And then I'd go play on the street, and then I'd make you know enough money to like you know buy food or bus fare to the next random yeah. location and um that was really important to me that was that was a huge uh step up as an artist in my opinion better than than just running through scales for me personally other people yeah. you know that's their thing everyone's got their own path and yep. their own journey and that's very courageous of you to do something like that because a lot of times now in our modern day with all the crazy highwaymen out on the road mm-hmm. looking to you know, eat babies and right. steal all your stuff. Sure. Well, those um, are the only stories you hear about. You don't hear about the lovely yeah. person that gave this guy a ride. You don't yeah. hear about those people. I went on a walkabout. You know, I was talking to somebody like the, the most free I ever felt in my entire life. About 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I took a summer and I just drove around the American West. Great. Me and my car and my guitar. Great. Uh, camping gear because I, and camping is cheap, you know, and man, I don't think I've ever felt so, you know, I had a little bit of money, but not a lot. 
Yeah. You know, and I wasn't busking to earn money, but I would, you know, I had friends like I'd stay in San Francisco. I had some friends in the Bay Area. So yeah. I'd stay with them for a week or two, get a local temp job for a week, mm-hmm. you know, sort some papers. Yeah. Didn't matter, whatever, you know, meet some folks there. Go off and just wander and drive. And it was great yeah. to like, I had a kind of a basic idea of where I wanted to go, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter if there was no... No, I love that. No man. schedule, no deadlines. Love that feeling to to have no place to be at any particular time or no particular direction that you absolutely need to go. You're just kind of like, where do I feel like going? Yeah. I think that that's an ex- essential experience that most people should have, and I think that I think that I, I, I not to be like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I think that we're often discouraged from having that experience of knowing what it feels like to not be beholden to a job or a home or um, you know, or to be thinking about, well, how am I going to pay my taxes or so on and so forth, but to just really be like, okay, I'm here right now in this moment. Where do I feel like going as a sovereign entity of the world, as a human being rather than an American? Where do I feel like going? Yeah. Rather than being my social security number, learning your true name, you know, the wordless name. Yeah, indeed. And man, like I said, I, I never felt so free in my entire life as that. Uh, when it comes to writing songs for you, um, it, which moment is your favorite moment? Is it A, when you get the inspiration? Is it B, when you're like in the midst of it and like ideas are coming and going and you're pulling things out of the ether and trying to make a phrase fit? Is it C, when the song is completed and you can play it and you know it's kind of done? Or is it E, when you're recording that song? Is it F, when you're performing that song live? Is it G, when you then go back and go, you know, Maybe the song should be in triple meter and you break it apart and you reassemble it in a different way. You know, like what, like, or what, what parts of those get you off the most about music? Well, I love a couple of those, those moments. I like, I really love when it's just flowing and you can't believe that you're writing what you're writing. That's one of my favorite feelings in the world. But ultimately my favorite is performing it. I like to perform the songs and, and I really like to have an audience and, and to, watch the song affect them at the moments that I think it's going to affect them or be surprised by the moments that like, you know, or be learning something about the song in the moment. That's a, that's a great feeling too. Like you've written, you've written a song, you think you know what it's about and then you're playing it and you're like, oh my gosh, never really thought about it like this, but that's what it is, you know, and you're realizing about the song that you've written, what it's really about, you know, even further than you thought, you know, but, but performing it I think is my favorite because you get to see these people experience your song and, and experience your story and go either I felt like that or I can't believe you feel like that or some combination of those things and just to watch it wash over them and to, you know what people are really listening obviously it's completely different than than just playing it to people that are just there which is yeah what happens often but you know it is what it is has, has there been a specific gig or moment in, in a gig so I'm thinking of a moment myself uh, in my career where it was like a moment of, uh, transcendent beauty or a moment like you would consider be the pinnacle so far where you were on stage or you were recording a song or something and you like everything, all the cosmic tumblers fell into place for a moment. Have you had a moment like that? Absolutely. Where you, where you find your, your skill level catching up with your ambition. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> you're like, you're on, you're on stage and you're like, I'm doing it. It's like, it's like uh, Tinkerbell going, you're doing it, Peter. And you're flying. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've had plenty of moments like that. Yeah. And hopefully many more to come. Yeah. All right. Very, very nice. 
how in the, I'm, this show is called Independence Day, so it's kind of a question I like to ask different people. Like, what does being independent mean to you as a musician? Because you've you know you had someone who produced the record, um, and it, but it's not really out on a label per se, right? Yep, it's kind of a, it's kind of its own thing. Well, David, the producer David Raven um, has his own record label that he releases things okay. under called Medical Records. Okay. Not spelled medical. It's like M E D I K U L L medical records. Okay. So you're, but you're still. But it's not really a label. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, I mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's not like <clears throat> it's not like being on a traditional label. It's just yeah. me and Dave kind of deciding here and there what to do with it. Yeah. Well, the roles have changed. It gives yeah. you a sense of it gives you some kind of legitimacy mm-hmm. because a lot of people expect you to have some kind of label. Sure. It's not like the label is sending a limo to pick you up. No. Nope. Um, but it still allows you. It allows you the freedom to do what you want, but gives you some sense of legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Now, are you booking your own shows then too? Yeah. Booking your own shows, writing the songs. Mm-hmm. You're like a cottage industry, man. Yeah. Okay. I don't want you to give me too much credit. It's kind yeah. of just falling. Things are just falling into place here and there. And but I, I feel like I'm just kind of crashing my way through life. But everyone's a cottage industry now. I guess that's what I'm getting at mm-hmm. is that everybody, everyone's independent to a certain extent. Musicians, yeah. it, it, unless you're the Stones, I guess. Right. You know, everywhere up the chain, how we do this has changed. You know, the way that fans interact with their, or the way artists interact with their fans has sure, changed now. Sure. Because, you know, now if I want to find someone to be on the show, I mean, I've sent Facebook messages to people that I never mm-hmm. thought I would answer the message. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. You know, like the technology has has empowered us and uh, mm. it's been a, it's been a, a advantageous thing as well as a hindrance, I sure, think. Sure, sure. Uh, so let's this, we've got about enough time for one more tune, man. What, uh, what have you got queued up for us here? This is a new one and... Um, it's uh it's it's well it's it's called always someone else on your mind. Okay, tell me a little bit about it. Oh uh, well, I mean it, the song sort of it's pretty evident. It's just about it's about longing for someone who's always thinking about someone else and not you and 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 wanting them to especially when you're in that place of vulnerability and you're you're opening yourself up to them and saying I really love you and and I'm I'm here, you know, and, and waiting for them to come and, and join you in that place of of like safety and respect and, and true love and for them to be, you know, without telling you, but you intuitively know that they're just they're still thinking about someone else. Not present mm-hmm. elsewhere. All right, James Bias, one last tune here on Independence Day. you woman but it just don't seem right and this feeling somehow isn't human we are weeping tonight oh and the trouble is there's always someone else on your mind yeah the trouble is there's always someone else on your mind Brown with your fancy look in your smile 
Well, I know they gon' bring me down like a lost little baby child. And oh, all that you give to me, woman, ain't nothing for free. When I pay with my sanity, mama, only trouble it seems. And the trouble is there's always someone else on your mind Ooh, the trouble is there's always someone else on your mind Ooh, the trouble is there's always someone else on your mind Trouble is there's always someone else on your mind. Very, very nice, man. Kind of a bluesy kind of thing with some great playing by Zach uh, mm-hmm. on there as well. Very, very cool, man. I, I really like what you do, and I wish you the absolute best. I can't wait. Do you do, do, you do full band shows? Too? I do, yep. Most okay. of the time, I almost I, I would prefer to do full band shows these days because a lot of times, like I say, playing in venues where there's um extra noise and people chatting and stuff in a if if you if you want to, if you're there and you want to listen it's harder to listen when I'm playing just acoustic. Yeah. And I know and I know that most people or I'm not sorry, not most people, but a lot of people that show up to the gigs or are are there by chance are not there to listen to me. They're there to socialize and drink and so yeah. on and so forth. And I do not begrudge a man who's drinking socializing time as you well know, but for the people that do come to see me it's better when I'm playing with a full band because they can really yeah. tune into it. Yeah, very, very nice. But you've got actually, you've got nothing on your schedule. You know, you're in negotiations with the good people at the Grand Ole Echo. That's so right. sometime in the month of April, you're going to have a show there. That is correct. Uh, it's a great thing. That's coming up. Everybody should check that out. Every yeah. Sunday night, they do a free concert down at the Echo, uh, down in Echo Park. That's right. Starts early, which is very civilized. Starts in the neighborhood of five-ish i want to say yeah because everybody brings their kids and stuff it's an all-ages show everybody brings their kids and there's of course you know beers and wine and yeah, stuff yeah. available and uh, but the whole thing wraps up by nine so it's it's I, I keep using the word civilized but it's perfectly civilized so that those of us who <laughs> sure. have responsibilities and day jobs oh, or yeah. just don't want to be up all damn night yep, can yep. see a show for free and then still make it home in time and bring your kids if you and want bring your kids if you want it's a great experience man i'm looking forward to seeing you out playing you. that yeah, show as fun. well people can drop by your website jamesbias.com b y o u s also follow you on twitter at james bias man keep us abreast of what you're up to i will thank so, you so you know like you know let's grab a beer one time man i think it would be fun to see let's you let's grab a, a beer a couple times without without microphones so uh, thank you very much to james bias also to the independence day staff valentino rivera dale tanksley wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.